That was the hardest part, was making up the stairs without tripping. <laughs> Good morning, we church. To everyone here in person and those who have joined, chosen to join us online today, welcome. We're so thankful you've chosen to worship with us, and we're so excited to serve with you and our church family. I'm Tim Carmody. I'm a lay leader here in our body. I co-chair our leadership team. I helped found and co-chair our safety and security team. I co-chaired or helped co-chair the last capital campaign. I helped teach a class on the Old Testament and the New Testament um, in We University and do a few other things around the church. You know, that really doesn't answer how I got here today. Um, and yes, we know all the pastors are gone, but here's the backstory. About a month ago, Pastor Craig and I were walking out after a church meeting, and he asked, he was pretty matter-of-fact, turned to me and said, hey, you know, all the pastors are going to be gone on July 23rd. Would you be interested in preaching that morning? At first, I felt very honored, and then I thought, is he joking, or is this, he serious? But it quickly became clear that he was serious. I was at a crossroads in my road trip. Do I hesitate? Do I give in to the many reasons why I can't? Or the what-ifs? Or do I take a leap of faith? Do I surrender to the opportunity and move to I will? Well, I guess we know how that turned out. In the first week of our journey, Pastor Craig spoke about the freedoms we find in Christ. And then last week, he talked about the suffering that we experience as a Christian, something that Paul knows all too well. And this week, we're going to jump in our cars for a road trip on purpose. Get it? A road trip? Never mind. Okay, so look at this slide for a second. 211. That's the average number of students in an elementary school in Nebraska. 375, that's the number of kids we had registered for Vacation Bible School for the last four days in June this year, a new record. 190, that's the number of you that stood up and volunteered and stepped in to make Vacation Bible School possible. One, that's the number of people it takes to make a difference in someone's life. All of us. That's the number of people it takes to fulfill God's call for our church body. Every week we gather and we begin worship by sharing stories of our ministries, by thanking each of you for your service and your support. The story about VBS is just one of many in our church. There's Uganda and Belize and Miller Park and Abide, and there's Youth Group and We Kids and We University and so many more. Yesterday morning, we sent 20 middle schoolers and adults 20 souls on their mission trip to Kenosha, Wisconsin. By the way, this is Chad's second in about the same month, so please pray for him. But each one of these speaks so clearly about who we strive to be and reminds us of our mission and our vision. Our mission as a church is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and each other. And our vision is to be a church who relentlessly pursues a transforming relationship with God, generously extends hope to the hurting, sacrificially serves our families, and radically invests in the next generation, just as we saw this morning. In our scripture today, Paul reminds us that God wants us to fulfill our individual roles, our purpose, so that we can fulfill our role as the church and be the church. 
In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, we're reminded that all of you together, all of us are Christ's body. And each of us is part of that. God calls us to serve together for three very important reasons. One, together we accomplish so much more than we could ever try to do alone. Two, there is tremendous joy when we serve side by side with other believers. And three, Matthew reminds us in verse, or chapter 18, verse 20, for where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. We're never alone. As with every church body, each of us is at a different point in our walk with Christ. Some of us are just learning and don't know where to plug in yet. Others are further along and have a solid anchor. And others still, well, they lead the way. It takes all of us. We're also at different places in finding and fulfilling our individual purpose. As we begin this conversation, it's, it's important to look back, to start from the beginning. Our purpose is woven together throughout Scripture. It begins before we're even conceived. See, God created every cell in us, every fiber, our whole being with specific features and characteristics and strengths and weaknesses. And then Jeremiah reminds us in chapter 29, verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then God puts us exactly where he needs us to be, to develop those skills and those talents through education and experience. He does this all with the hope that we will enter into a personal relationship with him. Then he promises us a spiritual gift so that we can help others and fulfill his purpose. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 and 7, Paul writes, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us so that we can help each other. See, God wants us to come to him. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Always the perfect parent, he knows our potential. He wants us to use those gifts and talents to worship him, to build his kingdom, to bring heaven to earth, and to love and serve his people, just as Christ loved and served us. That's our purpose. To take those talents, our spiritual gifts, and willingly serve him. Let's look at Paul for a second as an example of how this works. So Paul was born somewhere between 5 BC and 5 AD, just a few years ago, into a deeply religious Jewish family of Pharisees in an influential trading center known as Tarsus, and we'll look at that on the map in a second. Known as Saul back then, Paul learned the trade of his parents, tent making. But he also studied the Torah under one of the most noted teachers of the Jewish law, Gamaliel. He went to the right schools. He ran in the best social and religious circles. He had it all going on. Like many of us at that early age, Saul was blinded by the things of this world all around him. He couldn't see that God had created him. He didn't understand that he was preparing him, and he waited. So God stepped back at least for the minute. Just had to get Paul's attention 
to get him past the I can't. And it took some time. So two to three years after Jesus had died and was resurrected and went to heaven, he met Saul on the road to Damascus. Saul was headed to Damascus to persecute more Christians and more new believers. Saul's conversion was a little more dramatic than most of ours. Jesus literally put scales on his eyes, blinded him to make him stop and pay attention. He was trying to redirect him to his true purpose. Now, like Paul, God created each of us. He knows every part of us, our most powerful strengths and our deepest, darkest secrets. He created opportunities and challenges that helped us grow. He placed us in the midst of a family who helped set our moral compass, surrounded us with teachers and mentors and Sunday school teachers and youth group leaders, all who contributed to who we are today. He knows us. He believes in us. And he loves us unconditionally. And then he waits. During his second missionary journey, on his road, his road trip, Paul went to Corinth to plant a church. Corinth was a hustling crossroads of commerce. Some speculate there were between 200 and 500,000 people crammed into that small space. So as we look at the map today, on the far left side, there's a little green area, and Corinth is at the top, or in that area. And if you look across the Aegean, you'll see Ephesus at about the same level, and then go all the way back to Tarsus, Tarsus is where Paul was from. So Paul met and worked with Priscilla and Aquila to build a church in, F or in Corinth over 18 months. The church was filled with Jews and Gentiles, slaves and freemen. It grew to 50 to 100 people. The members of that church faced very similar distractions to those that we face around us in the world today. Now Paul, as he writes this first letter, is on his third missionary journey. And he's sitting in Ephesus, where we looked at on the map. And I picture him in my mind, he's sitting there with some friends and they're mending a tent or they're sewing one for someone because you got to pay the bills, right? So as they sit there, he's concerned about what he's hearing about what's going on in Corinth. The problem is that some of the Jews claim that the Gentiles were not equals because they didn't go through certain processes to, to be believers. And at the same time, there were people from both groups that were trying to introduce the pagan practices of Corinth into the church. Individually and collectively, they were being pulled from their purpose, from God's plan. But God waited. In this chapter of his letter, Paul worked to paint the picture of what the church should be, what we should be. Many parts, one body, united in our purpose. Each of us sitting here today and online are uniquely different. We're beautifully made by a loving Father. Together we make up this body we call the water's edge. He reminds us that every part, every role in the church body is critical and is a call for us to work together to fulfill his plan, to fulfill our purpose. Now, what holds us back? I mean, God created us. He places us right here where we need to be. We know the need is clear. This is a broken world. 
So what holds us back? Well, it's the I can'ts and the what ifs. So the I can'ts start with, there it is. I don't have enough time. I'm not a leader. I really don't know the Bible that well. I'm not good enough to serve. And the what ifs are, what if I fail? What if I can't manage it? What if I'm not ready? Where do I start? And what if I'm not strong enough? It's a good thing that Craig offered this opportunity so early. I was so excited about the topic. I had so many questions. But Paul had drifted so far from God on his purpose, and yet he turned it around. He turned it around and became one of the greatest servants in our church. How did he do it? Well, he's not available to call right now, so I decided to reach out to four Pauls in our congregation. Now, I talked to Craig about that, and he asked me to keep it down to four because he wanted me to keep this sermon down to an hour, you know, under an hour. And I'm going to try and hit that mark. So all four of the Pauls that I talk to have inspiring stories. They are committed to their personal relationship with Jesus and are key parts of our church body. Each has an active a personal and family life. In other words, they're a lot like all of us. I have the privilege of serving with three on the leadership team, and the fourth is our wonderful daughter-in-law. Each are humble servant leaders. They have been challenged and changed personally by their investment and are excited about their ministries and the impacts that they have on the lives inside and outside of our church. So let's look at our first Paul. We're going to call her Lori, mostly because that's her real name. Lori and her husband Shane left Omaha in 2002. In 2008, they took their three kids, all under four, think about that for a second, and moved to Frisco, Texas, where they found a church. Now, Lori found a ministry there and joined it called Sisters of Scripture, SOS. Get it? In that ministry, she was welcomed, she felt at home. And she felt loved. She thrived. They studied God's word. They shared fellowship. And they prayed for one another. Lori said SOS was a lifeline that God had thrown to her in a dark time in her life. In a dark season. Now we're going to fast forward a few years. Lori learned in late 2012 that they were coming back to Omaha, and she was so excited to come home. They quickly found the water's edge and joined our church, and they loved it, but it was missing one thing. There wasn't an SOS. Now, before she left Frisco, God had nudged Lori. He said, listen, you're going home. And she said, Thanks. And he said, you're going to find another SOS. She's awesome. And you're going to lead it. And she said, no, I'm not. So they got back home, and she waited. And God waited. 
six years. And then Lori said, I'm stepping out. I'm going to do it. In the fall of 2019, she took the leap and she started SOS here at the water's edge and was quickly joined by her friend Cheryl. Remember that verse about two or three gathered together? Their goal is the five G's. They want to hit the five G's. We gather, we grow, we are grateful, we give, and we go. The group started with 18, but dwindled to 10. But over the last few years, has grown steadily to 35 women in their 20s to their 80s every Monday here at the Water's Edge. But she was very careful to say, this isn't about numbers. This is about souls. She and Cheryl recognize how much courage it takes for everyone to walk through the doors of this church and to walk into one of these groups. And she wants every one of them to be fed and to feel welcome. Now, the roadblock Lori struggled with was, what if I'm not ready? She was doing this, and she knew that she felt the impact the similar group had on her in Texas, and she wanted to do it for other women here. That gave her the confidence to trust God, to believe in herself, and to step out in faith. She realized that she didn't have to control everything. God provided. Our second Paul is Grace. And yes, that's her real name too. She is the mother of our beautiful granddaughter, Elle, a 21-month-old bundle of energy. Grace attended a mother's of preschoolers at another church in Elkhorn. And she thought it'd be cool to have one of those here at the water's edge. Like Lori, Grace found it special that moms could have a place to meet with their kids nearby. Get it? Nearby, not with us, but nearby. To pray for each other and to live life together. Grace and her friend Krista wanted someone else to start the mops here at the water's edge. But they knew. And God nudged them and said, listen, this isn't going to happen unless you do it. So they did. They worked with Pastor Jason and started mops in the fall of 2022. Grace and Krista weren't sure where to start. They feared that they would fail, that no one would show up, that they wouldn't be good leaders. Hmm. These sound really familiar. But once again, God was right there, walking with them. Them and Pastor Jason as they started the ministry. Grace closed our conversation with this. I now have 20 women who I can call, grow with, and share being a mom with. The church at work. Our third Paul is Heidi. Heidi started a story back in 2020. In October of that year, when everything was so calm and quiet, you remember that pandemic thing? She recognized that she had friends who wanted to serve but didn't know how to get started. It was burning in their hearts, but they didn't know where to start. So she started a closed Facebook group called Helping Heroes, a volunteer group. In that group, she sets up an event about once a month, usually during the work week. She averages between 8 and 20 people to get signed up for a project in our community. She even works to find events where kids can help during the summer. 
She was impressed that the folks were just willing to step out to volunteer. They just needed an organizer. They needed a nudge. They needed support. Now, Heidi's roadblock was, what if I can't manage it? She said she wasn't afraid at all to start. She's a seasoned veteran at volunteering and had confidence. She was afraid it was going to get too big. Too big for her was 50 people. She started with six volunteers, and the group has grown this year to 162. <laughs> it got too big, but God carried her, and she crushed it. She said she felt God's calling to do this, to help others connect and to multiply the kingdom. Now, the fruits that Heidi had from this is that she was humbled by the impact the ministry had on her and those who have served in it. They keep coming back for more. They're hungry. Personally, this ministry is a strong reminder for her and her kids about how blessed they really are. And more importantly, Heidi reminded me that we look the most like Jesus when we serve. Now, the last Paul we'll talk about is Justin. In 2013, Justin had heard about this little program that had started in 2006 by the Miller business community called we, Project We Care. Project We Care works around the two weeks of Christmas to gather gifts and food for the families because there are kids in the Miller schools and in this area that will go hungry because they won't have the food they receive at school. And they won't get presents because their parents can't afford it. So he got to help with Distribution Day in 2013. He got so fired up, he jumped in with both feet. In fact, he joined the board in 2014. And he had two goals. He had to find a distribution center for the, the day to give all the gifts out, and he had to find people who would sponsor the families. To give you an idea how much that's changed, in 2014, Project We Care served 143 kids and families. 143. In 2022, Project We Care served 750 kids and families. 750. And you, all of us, as the body of the church, covered 56% of that. 420 kids and families. What an incredible blessing. Now Justin's roadblocks that he had to overcome is, what if I fail? His three fears that he talked about, the first one was standing here and doing this, explaining it all to you. The second part was not knowing how much support we would actually be able to get from the church and from the community. And the third one was, if we did get a big turnout, how would we organize it? Before the Water's Edge jumped in with Project We Care, I'm sorry, we were the largest supporter that it had, and we still are. So as a result of that work, they're able to provide those, the food and presence for those kids and families. Like the other Pauls, Justin had seen so many inside and outside our church step up to help serve in bigger and better ways. 
Justin specifically mentioned two men in our church, Dick and Larry. They're both members of the church and they have both contributed outside of these walls by getting people to support this, this program and this ministry. You'll hear more from Dick in the near future about Project We Care. Personally, Justin said, he is growing closer to God. And he's seen his faith grow as a result of this. This year, Justin is even more excited. We're going to be able to host the distribution day here at our church because of that addition that we've provided, that God provided through us. We are so blessed at the water's edge in so many ways. These are just four of the examples of the opportunities to be the church. There are so many more. I love our church, our mission, and our heart for God. In so many ways, we see others through the eyes of Jesus. We go out and we serve with his hands and we love with his heart. My hope and prayer in sharing these stories is first to thank everyone who has stepped up and stepped in, working in the body to help his kingdom grow. It's to instill confidence in the investment that God has made in each of us and in the water's edge to fulfill his goals to follow him. And it's to encourage those who are still searching and still seeking and want to know how to plug in and how to fit in. Look, we're all at different points in our our respective road trips, our walks. Lean into it. Step out in faith. Trust what God has created in you and in our church. Trust that God will provide. And stand shoulder to shoulder. Deep inside each of us, God has planted a seed. Look at what that seed did in Paul. Look at what it did for Paul. Look at what it did for us. Look back in your life for a second and think about what God has done for you. What he's done in you and now through you. Let's honor all those who have faithfully given and built the foundation that we are standing on today. Let's take that next step. In talking to our Pauls and in reading the scriptures, um, there are four things that I want us to think about as we go out. Four I will statements that will help us as we work on this. The first is, I will turn to God. Remember, God created us, physically put us where we needed to be, pointed us in the right direction, He created our relationship, an opportunity for our relationship with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And that has to come first before we can do anything else. We can't even see the rest until that happens. Second, I will see those in need. We were created to serve. This is a broken world. There are many people who don't know the joy that we experience because of our relationship with Jesus, and we can share that. Someone in your life recognized that need and fed you. Just like Jesus told Peter, feed my sheep, pay it forward, go out and feed them. Three, I will surrender, not in the sense I'm giving up, rather in the form of total commitment. The surrender can happen all at once like Paul, or we can take it back once, take, we can take it one step at a time. The key is to take that first step and then the next step, building trust 
building faith, building confidence. For me, that was the hardest one. I'm so used to having more control over things that I literally had to let go of that and to trust God. And it's been a, a blessing in so many different ways. Finally, the fourth part. I will never walk alone. As a body, we've never, we're never alone on our road trips. We've seen that in the photos. We've seen that in our experiences in service and here at the water's edge. In the vast majority of cases, we're usually surrounded by a lot of other people and we're always wrapped in the arms of God. Bow your heads with me as we close. Father, you've created us with unique characteristics and a God-given purpose. You've blessed us with gifts and strengths to fulfill our purpose and your perfect plan. You've placed us squarely in a body of believers who are passionately pursuing you. As we go out today, grant us the courage and the faith to boldly step out of our comfort zones, to be the church you've created us and called us to be. I would ask you to lift your heads as we close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, kingdom and the power and the glory forever. As we prepare to leave, um, please check out the opportunities coming up and we serve. Did you know that started out as one Sunday? We used to do it for one Sunday and it's morphed into two weeks. What a blessing. And have an amazing week. We can't wait to see you next week here at the Water's Edge. Have a great week, folks.